spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label. hi guys and the end spoken label back in the house on a tuesday night with a bloody sore throat as well not covid that's fucking cold so but anyway i've got a great great guy with me tonight and not met him before actually but he's been on Rufo Riley's programme at All FM recently. And people that know Rufo Riley is Amanda, my wife's best mate. The hi, Ruth. This is down to you, this one. But he's a great guy. I've got Tom Stocks with me, all the way from Lee. So, Tom, obviously, for people who don't know you, would you like to introduce yourself to people, first of all? Tell them, obviously, yeah. where all your creativity came from. We'll start from there. Cool. So, yeah, I'm Tom Stocks. I also, uh, my poetry name, I've, I've, I've deemed myself a chubby northerner, um, which seems to have uh, got around a bit, so that's good. Um, born I was going to ask you about that as well, but obviously... Yeah, like no, that's, that's the poetry name I've given myself. Um, it gets, I don't know I gave myself, really. I just thought it'd be quite funny. And it's, um, it gets you memorable, really. Uh, so, yeah, I'm from Bolton, uh, born and raised in Bolton, uh, now living over in, you know, Wigan and Lee area. Um, and yeah, my creativity, I don't know, really. I'm just, I just like to dip my fingers in a lot of pies in terms of, I mean, I've, I'm an actor, first of all, um, did that for, a, you know, for a bit. Then I went into producing, done a bit of writing. And now I think I'm, I'm doing a bit of poetry. So <laughs> that's it, really. <laughs> cool. Now, let's go back. I always like to do this when I spoke label, go right back to the beginning. So basically... Were you actually writing as a child then, or did you, were you more of the actress or as a child? Do you know what's really funny, right, <laughs> is that I, the other day, um, I was at my grandma's um, over in Bolton, and she whacked out this little poetry book. And when I was, um, how old was I? I must have been in primary school. And she oh, whipped, whacked it out. And I'd, I'd actually had a published poem. I didn't even realise, I forgot. <laughs> Brilliant, mate. It was in some Christmas poetry book years and years ago. Uh, and yeah, as a poetry book. So I, I guess I was writing a little bit back then, I guess. 
Um, obviously, it wasn't that good because I forgot about it. Um, so, but yeah, it was some Christmas poem. It was in some published book ages ago. So yeah, I guess I've done a little bit of writing when I was a, when I was a kid, but I never really started writing properly in terms of like plays or poetry or anything like that um, until I mean, until I was in my early twenties, really. Um, but in terms of acting and stuff like that, I've, you know, I went to college and studied it and then I went to uni and did a bit of it and, and things like that as well. Um, but I never really, the thing with writing, it's tough. And, you know, being someone who was never really predicted any GCSEs, you're always told that you can't write or, you know, you, you're, you're illiterate or you're, you know, that, you know, that sort of stuff, which is, which is tough. So you, you always feel scared of writing. And you're always pushed out of that world and you never think that's for me and that sort of stuff. But actually, once you get your confidence and go, nah, fuck it, I'm going to I'm gonna give it a go, then it's fine. And, you know, when you first start writing, you write what you know and write what you know about. And that's what I did. And that's when I wrote my first play, really, um, when I really gave it a good go. And, yeah, that's where it sort of stemmed from, really. Oh, no, fair play, mate. It's like, I think it's always it's a good way. I think it's, things build up naturally, don't they? So, now, I know I can see at one point here, and this is how, this is how I was doing my research before, on a website called Mandy, and it looks like you were, were you living in London at one point. I was, yeah. I was in London for eight years. I've just only recently come back to the north. Um, I came back about a year and a bit ago now, but I moved down to London. The reason I went to London first time um, was I'd just come out of uni, uh, where I studied over in Wales, um, in Newport. And then I auditioned for drama school, um, but I, and I got in, but I couldn't afford it. Couldn't afford it. So I deferred my place for a year, tried to save and save and save. But again, being from a, you know, Bolton lad, working class background, couldn't afford it twice. So I got in twice and couldn't afford it. So, I was just chasing a dream I couldn't afford, which was um, which is unfortunate, and it was the training that I really wanted. But actually, I realised that, and I was always you're always drilled into as a kid, oh, you have to be in London to be successful, and you know, naively that's what I believed. So I went down to London, and I started all up there, and I got a bit mouthy um, on Twitter about working class uh, opportunities, Whoops. and you know, whoops, a Daisy. Um, and that got me a little bit of trouble because the um, a few news, you know, the stage, which is like the arts newspaper, um, saw that I set up uh, actor awareness and they said that it would be nothing more than just a hashtag and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I was trying to create opportunities for working class talent and working class writers and directors and, and actors and things like that. Um, and that's what I did. I did it down there and never looked back. And, you know, I, I did what I did down there and really proud of it in terms of what I achieved with it you know we got on to we did a, incredible things you know we, we started off as a little in some little back pub you know there was about 20 of us brainstorming ideas and then we started these new writing nights and then we got on to you know ITV with it we got on to you know coverage from it and the Guardian BBC Radio 5 Live and Sky News and all that sort of stuff. And it was it was amazing. And, you know, I never regret what I did down there. But obviously the pandemic's hit now, so it's taken a bit of a backseat. I am setting it up up here next year. Um, but, yeah, that's that was like London in a, in a, in a brainstorming a teacup there, but just sort of give you a background of yeah. why I went down to London. 
I'm on the Mandy website at the minute where your profile isn't. Oh, it, God, I've used Mandy in so long as well. Oh, this is a really old headshot. <laughs> I'm not even looking at the headshot. Now. I'm not going to wind you up on that one. But um, no, I was, I was just talking about some of the bits and pieces and the experience of some of these because some of these are quite interesting. I think it, show, it shows your versatility as an actor and where you, how it's developed for you. Because I can see that you've done. I want to, there's some really varied stuff here. You did a tour back in 2015. And Mother Goose, didn't you? And was that, yeah, was that your first sort of touring theatre production thing you did then, was it? Yeah, so when I was in, um, when I was in Newport, so when I just finished uni, I'd got into a panto there. So I got in there, like main, the, the, the sort of like central uh, theatre panto. Uh, and that was my first paid ever job. So I was just, I was like dance captain. I was like a bit of ensemble and, and things like that. And for two years I did their panto and that was my, they were my, they were my first two real professionally paid jobs. And then, but that's the thing because you can't get onto spotlight, which is the actors for people who don't know it's the actors. Um, basically you need to get on it to be an actor. Um, and you can't get onto this site, which is where all the casting directors, all the agents get you from, unless you have three professional credits. Now it's so difficult to get professional credits when you don't have the spotlight and this is the spotlight without the professional credits. So it's really tough. So I did two years of Panto. And then when I went to London, that was my first year. So I did uh, Mother Goose, which is my third credit that I needed in terms of professional work. So yeah, I did a little, uh, a little schools tour of Mother Goose and then went on to do other stuff. Yes, yeah, fascinating stuff because you've done some work in films as well. But I can see as well, you've been in a few commercials as well. Obviously one for the Sci-Fi Channel. Apart the Laughing Man commercial, which I've heard of actually, and you also did an ad for Super the Super Bowl as well. You're in that for game playing the game playing pool, weren't you? Yeah. Now, before we go on talking, you work in films first of all. Tell us about the experience of working in adverts, how and how it varies with doing longer roles. It's tough. Adverts are tough. Not, <laughs> not in terms of the when you're there, because I think when you're there, it's quite easy. It's actually the audition process is really tough. You you just you just you're shepherding like cattle and it, honestly there's so many people that go for adverts because they're literally looking for you they're not really that bothered about talent they all know you can act it's more about look um and whether you fit into the scene and all that sort of stuff and weirdly i don't know whether because i've got quite an expressional face or whether because i'm a bit chubby or whatever but i i got quite successful in the commercial world you know i did the um the sci-fi one was my first one and that was so cool because that was all with prosthetics and i went down to pinewood studios and um and my head, I had to get a cast of my head. So they had, they physically covered my entire head in, in plaster of Paris, whatever it's called, or moulded it. And they moulded a physical thing of my head because in the advert, my head explodes um, from laughing too much at the, the comedy sci-fi stuff. Um, and it was so weird seeing my head in a full cast. Like, it was fully, like, like I couldn't, you couldn't tell the difference. It was so cool. <laughs> So we did that, and then, yeah, my, the other adverts, I did the Febreze one, so yeah, that was for the Super Bowl, so that was, like, seen by, like, one billion people, I think someone told me once, which was amazing. Um, and then I did Wix, where I did the worm in there, I did the I did that, um, and I did a Lynx advert with Anthony Joshua a couple of years ago. Oh, wow, as well. wow. Yeah, you can see, like, it's, it's just looking at, this is quite an old, I think it's when you're older, things you're looking at, him, listing your credits, because it only goes up to 2018. Yeah, I've not updated that in so long, my mandate, yeah. Yeah, no, it's just a great page, he tells you, like, he'd done, and then he'd done some films as well, and he'd been a couple of short, been in a short film called Ben, 
which I think was with Netflix by the look of things. That's why. No, all... so it was called Netflix and Chill. So that ah. was my first. So basically, my first ever right. play was called Netflix and Chill. But what ah. you're looking at there is the very early. I did a couple of sketches of it first, and then it went into a full-length play. So my Netflix and Chill is like my early. Ah, um, yeah, that explains why. Then I was so, wondering what that was. I thought, no, it can't be Netflix. It can't no, be Netflix. No, it was called Netflix and Chill, basically. <laughs> really, and yeah. obviously, then then obviously, you know, you did a bit of work on the inside film, didn't you? Oh, was about the film. Yeah, well. so we did a documentary about working class talent in the arts and the barriers that people face. And in that, there was Maxine Pete, Chris Eccleston. Um, Julie Hesman, how we interviewed them all, and it was all Brilliant. centered around me and my story. Um, and we interviewed them about their roughly their, their amazing working class role models. So we interviewed them in the in the film and inside film. So Deirdre and Mike are the, the producers and the directors of it, and it was all centered around my story of of not getting into drama school and and my struggles in London and being a working class artist myself. Um, and it was all centered around that, but we were really proud of what we achieved with it and, and things that, and yeah, that toured like nationally and internationally in loads of independent cinemas. Really, and stuff. And really, mate. It was amazing. Well done, mate, with that. I've got a story about Chris Fackles and I'll tell you, but I'm not repeating it on mic anyway, because it's not embarrassing. I just don't want, I don't want to, it's, it's his business, okay? So I'll tell, yeah, you, yeah. About yeah. tell you about that later. It's lovely bloke, really top, top guy. Yeah, he's so. lovely. We went, we went to his house <laughs> and we went to his and Maxine's house. And their mate, their houses are mental. Like Maxine oh. Pete's got like a jukebox and a DJ set in her front room. Like it's yeah. mental. I met her actually. Ooh, just after she got her first run, and shameless. Because I used to know someone newer. I know it's not a case. We're not close. Not just a lovely lady, and she was dead down to earth then. And what I've heard since, she's not changed over time. But it's no, that's great. Mate, she's so lovely. Yeah. yeah, that's what I've heard people tell me. That still, so it was good. Anyway, but anyway, this is about you, Tom. We could be. Talking about <laughs> celebrity friends all day long, game, right? Probably, probably know, I probably know, but both probably know the same people as well. Yeah. Anyway, right. So, obviously, since 2018, then, obviously, and I know you're back in, back up in Manchester now, aren't you? So, what made you want to leave London to come back up home then? Uh, the price, if anything. Um, I, I always planned on coming back home, um, but the pandemic sort of fast forwarded all that for us um so we were we were in this shitty little flat and you know during lockdown um we're just before lockdown happened there was building works going on and literally so i had a balcony Mm. and they took the balcony off uh, and they boarded up our windows uh in london so we literally had no sunlight apart from this one little window near the kitchen oh god no I so hate in lockdown, yeah, in, and I got COVID in the first two weeks as well, um, oh, God, and I really like suffered bad with it. So I was in this fucking shit flat, no sunlight, um, ill. You know, me and my girlfriend were obviously isolated and stuff like that, and it, we didn't really know what was going on. So it was quite intense. It's quite scary. Um, and yeah, we almost got out of it, but you know, during the whole we spent the majority of the pandemic down in well half the pandemic in london and you know you really appreciate the outside when you're like locked in a flat and your windows are boarded up basically oh, it's like it's and, like a prison cell isn't it nearly God, and yeah. every every day there was drilling there was stuff and you know um it, it was horrible it was it was hell basically so we decided that um i think now's the time to move back up back up north we were always planning to but you know this just fast forward it a little bit so we moved um we moved 
during this mm, when was it? Uh, July, it was July 2020, July 2020. Um, it was just as sort of things were easing a little so we could move quite quickly. So yeah, my yeah, dad drove down in a big wagon and we just got it all in and just got it up. And then literally a week later, we went back into a lockdown. So we did it. We literally couldn't have timed it any better, really. Yeah, he did the um, spot on that, mate. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then we, we moved in and then we moved to Lee. Um, and then a couple of months later, we moved to Wigan. Um and yeah, the rest is the rest is history. Yeah. Now obviously now you're back up with Northerner again. I know you've got we do obviously things are starting to pick up for you again now. Now obviously yeah. I want to talk about your poetry career first of all and where did your stage name come from then? So well when I um because obviously I was bored in this this bloody hellhole of a flat, um <laughs> I just finished my play Netflix and Chill. Um so that finished in uh, March, uh, no, uh, sorry, at the end of February, and then obviously we went into a lockdown at the beginning of uh, sort of mid March. So we literally just finished it, and it got nominated for awards and things like that. And I was so buzzing, and the the momentum was I felt it was with me. But then I obviously all got shut off um, with that. So I was like, ah, right, what am I going to do? So I felt I was really down in the dump. So I just started writing poetry. Um, some of my mates did it. And I just thought I didn't have a play idea or anything like that. I just thought I wanted to start. I just started writing. It was like quite therapeutic and things like that. And you obviously you write what you know. Um, and I'm quite big on male body positivity. So my first poem um, or one of my first poems was called um, Here's the Lads. And it was just all about male body positivity uh, and things like that. And that went down really well. It, it got put on BBC and uh, Radio Manchester and stuff. And yeah, I just, from there, I just thought, I don't know. I don't know why I differentiated. I wanted to differentiate my poetry and my acting and stuff like that. So I just thought a stage name would be quite cool. And I've seen a few people have a few stage names that sort of works like Arkid, uh, which is yeah. David Scott. I did, I did interview with him years ago yeah. before, yeah, before he broke, really broke big. Nice guy, nice guy. Yeah, so, and I, I've spoken to him a few times because he, he runs the um, BBC Upload show now on BBC Radio Manchester, and I just don't know, I just, the, the things like that, and there's a guy called Matt Kincannon, who's the thirsty poet, and I just like the, I don't know, I don't know why I like these, like, little poetry stage names. So I thought I'd come up with one called the Chubby Northerner, and I just thought that would, like, stick, and it sticks in people's minds, and, you know, it also, you know, represents what I'm about, which is, you know, male body positivity as well, or, you know, I try to be. Um, so that's where it sort of came from, really. I know that was a long-winded way to go about it, but that's just wanted to give you the context. That was the best way. Now, the other thing I want to ask you about as well is, because obviously you had some news back in May, didn't you, with the Royal Exchange Theatre as well? I did. Where you were, you, did. You, were, you were one of the winners, weren't you, of this year's local tale playwriting competition. Tell us that about is that. That is right. Tell us about so, that. So, um, so I, my first ever poem, um, I have always wanted to write about homelessness and um, it's something that's quite close to my heart and you know all that sort of stuff and then my first ever poem was was actually about homelessness um and it was just all about that so I wrote it and then I put it away and then I, I never looked looked at it again and then the Royal Exchange were doing a competition where they wanted sort of like they set a brief out which was basically um local tales so local artists local writers to write about the pandemic but not about the pandemic about the stories in between 
So not actually physically really referencing too much about it, but they want to know what's been going on while the pandemic's been going on. And I read this shocking article and, and um, I did a bit of research over, over the pandemic and I was following the, the homeless situation quite quite a lot because at the beginning they sort of they sort of like solved homelessness they pumped like three million into it and they got everyone off the streets if everyone remembers and they got you know they got homeless people into the hotels and 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 that was great but then what happened is the sort of like um the rules have relaxed the the sort of like the councils and the the government's guidelines changed so all these people got kicked out onto the onto the street. Now, obviously, with the furlough scheme and obviously people losing jobs, homelessness was at its like highest peak, like it's ever been. Um, there was there was some ridiculous stats that that I read. I can't remember off the top of my head. So I thought that was a really interesting thing to 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 write about. So I wrote. So I did it. I I, I wrote. I cracked it out in about six six weeks. Um, uh, a short short fifteen minute play about about the situation, and yeah, it won it won the Royal Exchange Local Tales Award, and it was the, it's my first ever award I've ever I've ever won. So I'm I'm now classed as an award winning writer. So there we go. Some more to put in your CV there, definitely with that one. Yeah, exactly. So fuck so fuck the teachers who said I would never get any GCSEs. Well, now I'm an award winning writer. So fuck you. Oh, because I had that at school myself, mate. John Shearer, I left school yeah. next to no GCSEs myself at the time, and I didn't have a good time there. But it's it gives you great pleasure. I bumped yeah. into one of the teachers a couple of year, and he said to me, "Oh, I, I didn't didn't know you were at that Andy N because Andy N's obviously I've got a pseudonym like you have." I'm yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I've only realised it. Oh my God, you wrote, yeah, how many books have you wrote? I said, yeah, a few. Didn't get much help from some of the teachers, but I wrote them, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the best way. Yeah. You, you're proving something to yourself. And sometimes when, I think if you get off to a bad start and you don't, you feel like you've not got the support you wanted, it makes you more determined. And I think that's what it's done for you there, definitely. So, yeah, yeah, 100%. That's why. Now, obviously, um, we're looking at obviously what you're up to next then. Because obviously, I know you've got, um, and you launched a new night now, haven't you? Just started on yeah. me fairly soon. Now, obviously, Mike at the mill, I'm going to let you give the hard plug in this one. Unfortunately, the this will go out after the first show, so we can we can talk about more plans for the December one going forward, basically. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, uh, during, so just referencing back to when I won the award and stuff, so it got put on um, in Lee. So the Royal Exchange came into Lee with something called The Den, which was all about getting arts and culture out into the community of Lee. And it was in Spinner's Mill. So they built this amazing sort of like um, theatre in, in the outside of Lee, um, outside of Spinner's Mill. And that's when I sort of like, that's how I get got to know Spinner's Mill. Um, and they've got this wonderful sort of like bar area upstairs, which is um, part of the music centre, um, run by Joe and John, and people would just go. They, they just they just built this bar in in this music wow. center for the for the the Royal Exchange um, sort of like festival, and it's gorgeous. What they've done with it is amazing. And I saw they had a little they had a little stage in the corner with like a drum kit on it and stuff, just to sort of like showcase the instruments, really. Wow. And I just thought, why is that not being used? Um, so once it all settled down after the den and the Royal Exchange had been in there and stuff like that, um, I had a chat with Carla and Carla was like, should we set up a poetry night? Because in Lee, there's not um, there's not really that many or, you know, there's a few open mics, but nothing that really, 
gives a chance to to the local poets and musicians um, yeah. a lot. Now, so how do you how, how do you how do you meet Carla? So Carla, <laughs> so this is so random. So I was best, in a film. best way to be. Yeah. So I was in a film um, called Blinded by the Light. Um, which was like in cinemas and things like that. And it was on um, Amazon Prime. Now, I knew her girlfriend, or fiance, sorry, fiance now, um, Tash, who runs Northern Heart Films. Now, we went to uni together. Um, and I never knew she lived at the end of my road, basically. And I walked past with my new dog. And she texted me and was like, have you just walked past my window with a dog? And I was like, uh, possibly, I don't know. But we haven't, we have, we never really that close in, in uni, but we knew of each other, we know these slight acquaintances and things like that. So then we started to become friends. Then she said, Oh, um, I see you do poetry. Well, my fiance, Carla, does poetry. And literally, we've just hit it off. Um, and that's how I met Carla, is through, through Tash, who wow. uh, obviously an old uni friend. And now we, we, we've done quite a lot of poetry nights together. I feel like she's been a little bit of a, uh, I wouldn't say a mentor, but she's been she's taught me a lot because obviously I don't know the poetry scene at all, um, and she 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 knew a lot more than me, so she's been helping me um, do that, and, and I've been going to loads of poetry nights and gigs with her at, at first, um, and yeah, so then we she just texted me one day and was like, should we set up her own poetry night? And I was like, yeah, I know the perfect place. Um, so yeah, and that's where Spinners Mill and, and the Mike at the Mill was was born, and that's going to be on. Yeah, the 14th of November. We knew it was going to fall on Remembrance Sunday. So oh, it is as well, of, isn't it? Oh, it is as well. Yeah, so it's going to be in the afternoon at three o'clock and we're going to do, and the theme is Remembrance. So the, the, obviously the um, it's down to people's interpretation and, and what their poetry and music and storytelling uh, will unfold. So, yeah. Cool. Now, obviously, I, I can't give too much away for the future because in a lot of ways you find a lot of it will, the future is uh, based on open page anyway. But are you planning to do it on that sort of Sunday every month then, are you? Yeah, so we so we come to an agreement with Joe and John that they would they want to do it on Sunday afternoons because uh, I think Spinners isn't open on Sundays. So they want to try and get people in on Sundays. And I think afternoons are actually quite nice. Yes, yeah, so um, it's good Good I just think afternoons are lovely, especially Sunday afternoons, because people are always like not milling about and whatever. And I always think sometimes poetry nights, I always have to shoot off and I always feel like I miss poets sometimes because I've got to shoot off my last train and stuff like that. Yeah, Whereas on Sunday afternoons, um, is it's quite nice. No one has to shoot off. There's no rush or anything like that. So, yeah, so that's, that's what we want to do. We want to try and do it. I think we're going to try and do it bi-monthly. We want to try and do it monthly, but just just starting out, um, we're just going to try and find monthly, see if the the local artists take it up, and then the world's our oyster, really, and we'll go. Yeah, it's a good idea because it's first night I ever called ran was actually in Bolton near where the Bolton Rugby Club was, and what we did was yeah, many years ago this was this was a eight oh nine territory, so it's it's going back a few years. What we did was similar to you, where we did it every three months, and then based it over time, built it up to monthly. Yeah. That way, I think it's the right way of doing it sometimes because if you know, it's an area where you might think you need to take your time with it, you can, like I said, just do it slowly. But yeah. the night we do speak easy with that's in Cholton and it's at a known bar. So that's yeah. so soon, soon we went there. I, I kid you, I'll tell you later off, Mike, how much how much inquiries we got when it became knowledge that we were at that bar. Ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. 
But I said, yeah. well, yeah, I think you've done the right move, mate. Definitely with it. So now, just because obviously, with because you can't really stumble across it in spinners' mode because it's a closed shop, so it would just be like audiences coming in. Whereas if you were in a bar, they would just normally just see it. And also, yeah. what I worry about sometimes, especially if you're trying to promote local talent and different themes as well is that you don't want to run people's material dry so that it gives them a few months to sort of recuperate and do new material and give them time to do, do it. So I just yeah. did that as well. No, it's excellent idea, mate. It's a good, very, very good way of doing it. It's a good little bit, mate. Is, um, is obviously, to conclude then, a two couple, couple of questions to finish off with. Obviously, we know you've got a night coming up, and obviously, have you got any, any, anything else planned for the future you can talk about or reveal? Yeah, so I'm. If people know the old courts in Wigan, um, oh, I know, uh, I know that. Yeah, I've got drunk, I've got drunk. Yeah, a few so times, I'm working yeah. with the old courts, um, and obviously, actor awareness took a really big hit over the pandemic. We lost all our funding and you know, all that sort of stuff. And we were actually doing a podcast, um, we actually did something called Pure Graft over the lockdown. Uh, and we interviewed sort of like role models. Um, so we interviewed like Shay Meadows, Vicky McClure and all that sort of stuff to give right feedback. So we did do that. But basically, Act Awareness has been laying dormant for the past two years, really, apart from that podcast and, and maybe a few things online. But recently coming back up north, I've connected with the old court. So we are going to actually start running new writing nights there. Um, it's looking like it's going to be February next year. And with our applications all being well, will open in November, um, which is for new writers. And I think the theme will be working or, or class, so the interpretation is down to you. And that's that basically 10 to 15 minute short plays on that subject. Um, and it will be in the old courts. Again, don't quote me on all this because it's all still it's all still blubbing away, but it's looking like it's probably going to happen. Um, it definitely will happen next year. Just, yeah. But yeah, it, that's what's going to be happening soon with with awareness and stuff like that. So, so I had a coughing fit then, right? Okay, I've got a daft question to ask you before we let you do the plugs. Now, obviously, I'm back on Spotlight now, looking at you in Spotlight, and I love yeah. all the I love looking at all the accents you can do. Oh but, no! No, I'm not going to ask for an example. I just want to know. Obviously, like uh, there's plenty on there. You can see the said you can do a New York accent. Cockney, Irish Northern, Liverpoolian, London, RP, wherever that is, and Welsh Standard. What I want to know is, what's the worst one you can, the worst one you, or what, give us some, don't have to give us examples to say, is there, is there some accent you cannot get right? Uh, or you, you hate doing? I, mean, I think I hate doing most accents, really, but you've got to try and do them sometimes. Um, I don't know. I mean, if, I always think Geordie's so hard. Oh, so hard I work. I work with him. I used to work with a Geordie gentleman, and lovely guy. But he was that because it was that dip broad. I could barely yeah. understand a word of what he said. Yeah, I just oh. think trying to do a Geordie accent is so difficult. Um, you know, you can always. You, that's the thing with accents. I think everyone can do most accents. But it's also about, but they're always over-dramatised versions. So if anyone goes, oh, you're a northerner, oh, yeah, speak like that. Well, we don't speak like that, do we? But it's always an over-dramatised version of it. So everyone can probably do an accent, but it's always the over-dramatised version. But obviously with acting, it's got to be natural and flowing and things like that. And sometimes I'm probably can be a bit guilty where it's probably not natural and flowing and, and things like that. But I remember this, this story, right? I did an audition once. Um, I won't name what it was. But it was for a comedy show. Um, and basically, it was it's still to this day the hardest audition I ever did. And you got to go in there 
Um, and there's loads, there was loads of different stages this audition, but one of them was they gave you a cold read of paper and you would start reading it and they would just start shouting. They would go down your spotlight and they would just start shouting accents to you. So they'd go like, right, change to South African. Right, change to <laughs> Right, now change to Posh. Oh, my God. And it was so hard. And I, I absolutely fluffed it. Um, because it's so hard to go from New Zealand to bloody, um, you know, Polish. Or, then that, that didn't happen, by the way. But I'm just saying that the, the, the differentiation is so difficult. So... Yeah, so I can do accents, or I think I can do accents, but in my own head, probably maybe not if I did it to a, a New Yorker. They'd probably go, what the hell is that? Um, but yeah, it is, it is, I, I like to think I can do them. That's right. Well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll let you go to go and take, calm down after the embarrassing yourself then. But obviously, <laughs> yeah. a moment or two for you, let you do a few poems in the second half for us. I always like to finish off with you, don't you, Tom, is the plug. If people want to find out more about you, where are the best going? Um, so please follow me on Instagram is the best place, which is at the Chubby Northerner. And if you want to find out more about um, Mike at the Mill, then follow us on Instagram, which is at Mike at the Mill. Um, or you can, if you're a bit of a, a bit of a Twitter sphere person, I am on Twitter at Tom underscore stocks. Um, and if anything, you want to find out more about actor awareness and you want to get involved in that, then we are on all social media platforms. So we are, it's just at Actor Awareness on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. So my at Chubby Northern is the poetry. Mike at the Mill is obviously the events. Uh, and then my um, Tom underscore stocks is my Twitter. So, yeah. I'll get them all noted. So, right, mate, we'll let you go and take a quick break. And we'll be right back. Well, now I'm looking forward to hearing what Tom's going to do poetry-wise. <laughs> this, this has been grateful, mate. Considering I get to told you honestly before how crap I felt today. You made me, you, you picked me right up. Oh, myself. thank you, mate. Well, thank you very been, much. It's been a pleasure, mate. Right. We'll see you in a minute, guys. Spock, mate. Hi, guys. Still here with Tom, and my voice hasn't completely collapsed. So, some sort of mercies tonight. So, over to you, mate. I know you're doing four pieces for us. Go for it. Mate. Yeah. So, I'll start with this one. This is probably, um, I'll do two of my probably most famous ones that people know me by, and then I'll do sort of two newer ones. So this one I mentioned earlier, it's called Here's the Lads. Uh, and like I said, I'm really big on male body positivity. Um, so here we go. This is for all my chubby lads out there. Here's the lads that are worried about their weight, worried about the thoughts of their next Tinder date. Here's the lads who cover their belly when they sit, folding our arms crossed because they feel like shit. Here's the lads whose shirts pop open when taking a seat, aware our flab seeps through like a piece of meat. Here's the lads who have stretch marks on their arms, legs and tummy and avoid mirrors because they make us feel crummy. Here's the lads who hesitate to take their top off, constantly thinking someone will make fun or laugh. Here's the lads who just let themselves go a bit, got in a relationship and aren't quite as fit. Here's the lads who are scared of the gym, conscious of being judged by muscle men or someone slim. Here's the lads who constantly sweat just because we're a bit heavy set. Here's some lads who turn the lights off during sex or comfortable, sending body pics, flex or show their pecs. Here's the lads who do fad diets and skip meals and fed up a salad and shit healthy meal deals. Here's the lads who when shopping for clothes are either too baggy or too tight, trying on reams of clothes because they don't quite fit right. Here's the lads who aren't represented on film or TV because apparently the bigger guys can't be the love interest or be happy. Here's the lads who are always the butt of the fat joke, but you can't let it get to you because you know you're just a bloke. Here's the lads who have just been told, let's just be friends because that person thinks you are not the perfect ends. Well, lads, I say fuck them 
They are shallow and they are dumb. So here is to you, my big bone, chubby, chunky, plump, voluptuous lads. You are sexy, you are attractive, and you are hot. So let's show the world what we got. Beautiness and sexiness and self-worth shouldn't be measured by your size. And we should be fed these constant lies. So don't conform to what society says, because you've got sex appeal for fucking days. Thank you very much. Um, so that one was uh, my first one that was ever on um, BBC Radio Manchester, actually. Um, brilliant, mate. And then, brilliant, mate. Thank you. And then my next one is called Generation Rent, which was actually my second poem that was on um, BBC Upload. And this one actually got picked to be uh, to go nationally. It's on BBC iPlayer and um, it got featured in the nationwide BBC Upload Festival. So I was really quite proud of this one. So this one's all to the uh, dickhead landlords out there. So... I'm part of this generation, Ren, where it's near impossible to save that deposit percent, where we live in these subpar accommodations, paying sky-high rent just because of the OK location. Ignore the broken taps, draft and bad heat circulation because you've got good transport links to a train station. God, it is a cat's 22. You are forced to believe you should be grateful to have a roof over our head or you're threatened with, well, there's somewhere else instead. So we live in fear of a landlord, terrified of damaging things like a skirting board because your entire existence strives towards getting that deposit back. It turns into a game show of avoiding any broken setbacks. But we all know it is a fixed competition, no matter how you leave the housing condition. And when you're renting, you never, ever settle. I mean, you're always looking over your shoulder, wishing they'd come sort that ever-growing black moulder and they can kick you out with a no explanation at the drop of a hat. Hand you a section 21 just like that. And you know what? You live by their rules. And they make sure you don't forget no kids smoking, decorating, not even a pet. And if they find out you've disobeyed, your two months notice comes through straight away. So then you start the renting game again, moving through the gears of stress and strain. Your earnings, background and credit come under the microscope. And then come the deposit admin charges, which are just a joke. And it just makes you think, if I just stopped doing this I could probably afford a house for me and my miss. And then you go to the bank who aren't sure if you can afford a mortgage repayment of £400. Well, Karen, look at my background. You can see I've been paying £900 rent for the past 10 years and you've got fears I can't repay half what I'm paying now. Right, cheers. The system just needs a big revamp because getting on the property ladder, it just looks damn. Thank you very much. A lot of really um, good points. Really good points in that one, Tom. I agree with that. Oh, it's, thank you, mate. I'm too thank old. You, I'm too old to, to be affected by that sort of thing nowadays. But you're right. It's right. People your age and that gener younger generation before me. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. The changes making on it. Excellent, excellent, mate. Yeah, it's just tough. Um, thank you very much. Well, the next one. I actually need some audience interaction for this one, um, <coughs> Andy. So just tell me, um, where would you say your most favourite place in the world is? Like, where's your happy place? Ooh, Chilton Water Park. Oh, why is that? Why is that? Uh, just uh, kids' memories, nostalgia? Uh, I like walking on the bank, John, there. Just had this peace and quiet. That's why I saw. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's why well, I saw. This is my favourite place in the world. Um, and I won't give the name away because it will give away the punchline, but this is the third uh -huh. poem. The British high streets are dying, but there's one place that never stops applying. It's withstood the test of time. Now with 700 stores hitting its prime. Founded in Blackpool in 1978, most stores open 8am till late. 
When your suppliers are running low, there's only one place to go. And when you're late on rent again, it's because you spent it all in fucking B&M. The place you nip in for a cheap brolly, you come out with a full trolley. You pop in for a new door handle, but you know you're coming away with a scented candle. You promise you only go in for that extension cable, but you come away with a new fucking bird table. From ketchup to barbed wire, deck chairs to hair dryers, it's stacked with everything your heart desires. So don't worry if I'm gone for hours, I'm probably in the garden section buying flowers. Now the Swedes, they came up with Ikea, but us Brits had a better idea. It's sunshine indoors, it's all under one roof, and me doing this poem is proof that true happiness does exist because you can get everything on your fucking shopping list. There you go. Brilliant, brilliant. We've got, we've got one of them up my way as well then. So every time I go in that shop, I get lost in there, so... Oh, I love it. Honestly, you can get everything in there. And I'm literally in, I, I'm pretty, it's quite rare that I'm not in BM at least once a week. I love ah. it. <laughs> good, 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 man. It's got to be done, mate. Okay. No complaints by my side. Got to be done. Right. Okay. The big fan. Right. So, my final one. Um, obviously, I've spoken about the North and how proud I am to come back up here. Um, so, this one's for all of my proud Northerners out there. It's called Up Here. Only up north can you go to a chippy and order a Chinese, then go to a school night and smash 10 pints with ease. Up here, dinner's called tea and tea's called dinner. And we have bread with everything, so that don't make us look thinner. Up here, Greg's is every half a mile because pies and pasties are ingrained in our lifestyle. And around these parts, it's called a balm, not a roll. We dip them in gravy to warm our soul. And up here, we all argue on who's got the best family recipes with its tatty ash hot pot of parched peas. And up here, we're known to be working class, known for our cotton, steel and gas. We're all the home to industrial revolutions. The world looks for us to textile solutions. And up here, we live with a 3pm kickoff, a pint and a brawl because that's what you get in the fucking home of football. You're either a red or a blue and that's the choice. We're even the home of Vimto, Kellogg's and Rolls Royce. Now up here, every other pub has karaoke and people looking daft, belting out Oasis after an hard day of graft. Up here, we call you duck or cock and it's a sign of affection, not to insult or mock. Now around here, we say things like mint, buzzing, hanging and swear down where we all refer to Manchester as town. Now, every winter, we flock up to the back blue illuminations. We all get chips on the way back to the station. And we're at home to the nation's best-loved shows, from Phoenix Lights to Corrie's highs and lows. Now, up here, our pace of life is steady, until our moms stand on the door and shout, tea's ready! Now, up here, we have icons from the Gallagher brothers to McKellen, Lennon, McCarthy and others. We're even pioneers for gay and women's rights, because we've never been afraid to stand up and fight. Now, that's why we have fast Rashford feeding our kids while the government feasts in their cheap canteen ribs. You see, if you're not from up here, everyone thinks it's puddles and struggles or plenty of cobbles and no morals. But it's the opposite. Now, everyone says that we're the friendliest people you'll ever meet. We welcome anyone in from the brew off the street. Our hearts are on our sleeve. We're brash and proud. And after a few bevies, yeah, we can get a bit loud. But that's who we are. So raise a glass whether it's a wine or beers and all say we love the fucking North. So cheers. There you go. Thank you very much. Perfect. Great way to finish off that, Tom. Great, great, yeah, great conclusion there, mate. Brilliant stuff. Thank you for today, mate. It's been a, I've really enjoyed this today, mate. Like I said in the first half, oh, there's nothing, so well, there's nothing you, great, man. nothing better when you're feeling shit. And I'm, I'm, I'm making this podcast at 18 ratings. I don't care today, but you picked me right up. So thank you today for that, mate. It's been a pleasure oh, well, talking that, to you. Know, that, that means a lot to me because I, I do, I do genuinely feel that my, my poetry. I'm there for. I'm not. You know, I'm not for one to swallow dictionaries and spit out like, exquisite Shakespearean words. I just try and make my 
my poetry to make people smile. And I hope that's done that to you, Andy. Yeah, so you've done. You've, you've been brilliant, mate. I mean, absolutely superb. Of it. So hang around, mate. I do need to speak off mic anyway. A couple of things I need to go through. But it's been a pleasure today, mate. So keep in my touch. Pleasure. And I'd love to have you on again, mate, if you want to do it in the future, definitely. So. 100%. Well, thank you for having me and take care, mate. Right. Thank you again, guys and girls. This is Andy and signing out. As Don Callis says over Impact Wrestling, stay safe and stay over. See you next time. Spoken, mate.